Hi, I'm Marcus Edwards, and I'm interested in talking to people who are interested in talking to people who are interested in having a conversation about their future. Does that make any sense? I don't know. Anyway, welcome to Recruiting Trailblazers. So I'm very excited to welcome my guest to Recruiting Trailblazers today. Ben Otero is the global head of talent at Doorloop, who are a leader in the property management software game. He's previously led teams at GitHub, Titan and Chewy, and no surprises here, started his illustrious recruiting career at Tech Systems, one of the big boys in the agency world. So welcome to the podcast, Ben Otero. Uh, thank you so much for having me here. I'm really excited to be on Recruiting Trailblazers. I've been listening to the show for a while and uh, really excited to sit down and talk with you today, Marcus. Brilliant. Thank you for that, Ben. Um, so let's let's kick it off. I did just mention that you got your start in agency recruitment. How did your start in agency recruitment set you up for success in corporate TA? Yeah, I, I, you know, it's really funny that you asked this question because I think just like everybody else out there, you know, you usually fall into recruitment. You don't wake up and say, right. I'm going to become a recruiter, right? <laughs> uh, that's what I want to do. Uh, but what was, uh, I always knew I wanted to go into some form of HR, right? Uh, ended up going into tech systems. And what was interesting is if there are any tech systems people out there listening to this, I started off in end user support, right? So the, the greatest thing that it taught me was to be, uh, like I, I like to call it, I was chipping my teeth on the block. I talked to so many people built and I learned how to build so much great, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, uh, relationships, Right. And it actually helped me to build a strategy that I now deploy in all my teams. It's something known as HyperCare, which is a hyper-touch system. Um, it's basically just tons of touch points to everyone that you can inside your funnel, whether it be on a technical recruiting perspective or just any other type of role that comes out. And it just enhances the candidate experience. And I, to this day, I always attribute my time at Tech Systems to putting me through that high-touch, high-velocity learning and uh, the last thing I will say about starting in the world of agency is that I learned how to fail, but I learned how to fail fast, right? And that just helped push me to grow further and further and further. And, uh, you know, one thing led to another, and now I head up a whole bunch of different departments. So it's really exciting. That's good what you said about learning how to fail. I think agency recruitment really pushes you to embrace rejection and disappointment and just see it as part of the journey rather than an irritation or an inconvenience. So somebody once said to me that uh, the best recruiters are the recruiters who can recover the fastest from rejection and disappointment. And I really think that agency recruitment helps you sort of generate that skill, doesn't it? Yeah, it really does. I mean, I, I remember um, it was funny. My first my first placement, or at least what I thought was going to be my first placement, it was actually, uh, you know, we get all the way down to the offer process. We make the offer. And of course, it's tech recruiting, Right. Oh, the guy has another offer, backs out, goes to the next thing. And I remember being in like the stand-up meeting and uh, someone next to me just going, man, Ben took that so well and he already has someone else. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, but I, I leave that up to like my good mentors uh, yeah. that taught me how to, hey, this is going to happen. And it's all about what you do to rebound and kind of get you to where you need to be. And I think agency recruiting also taught me something like what I personally look for in recruiters, right? Because I think, when it comes to like recruiters, I kind of, I kind of, I believe I'm a firm believer that there's essentially two types of recruiters out there. There's really bad ones and there's amazing recruiters, 
I think right. that I think that the the middle ground, especially in today's market, has disappeared. It's like a no man's land. It's just very left, very right, whichever whichever side is the good left or the right, right? But um, agency recruiters learn how to just go, right? Um, and they also understand that every single person that they talk to, rather it's a good fit right now, or if it's a fit that's going to happen in four months, six months, whatever, even if it's a silver medalist candidate, whatever it is, you learn how to engage and you learn that that's a human on the other side, as opposed to like, I would say the bad recruiters, right. That end up getting, you know, I think they kind of get into it for the idealism. Hey, I want to go into recruiting to be recruiting. And they don't realize oh my God, this is sales, right? I, I have to make all these phone calls. I got to do all these things. And I have people pinging me left and right on email and all those other channels. And, you know, it's it's flustering, right? And not everyone's really cut for that. Yeah. I, I think the biggest missed opportunity in agency recruitment is the way that you treat the candidates who don't get the job. Yeah. You know, people who you engage with, um, when you build that relationship, and ultimately, you know, submit them for a role, but they don't get that job. I feel like too many recruiters just ghost those candidates or just send them a cursory email and say, sorry, it didn't work out. And, and I think you should actually do the opposite because that person, you can bring that person into your network by surprising them and delighting them with your candidate experience and your focus on candidate experience. And that will pay off down the road because they'll either become a candidate again or potentially even a client and definitely, you know, generate some referrals for you as well, which is, you know, the, the holy grail of recruitment is being able to get referrals from your network, isn't it? Oh, 110%. Even today, like even at Doorloop and at all the other companies I've ever been a, been a part of, I, I can tell you this, I've been a part of businesses where people, you know, we reject someone, but it's, hey, I had such a great experience. I still want, uh, like I have a friend who's still, who's looking for a job. You should talk to him, right? Um, and they kind of pick up and they go from there. It happens all the time. And I keep telling people this, uh, you know, depending on which vertical you're hiring for, but these these pools are so Believe it or not, they're so small. They're, they're very tiny. And people talk to each other. And we live in a world now where um, it's not the same as it was when I first started, right? We're so, everyone's totally connected. You have things like Fishbowl and Glassdoor and um, Slack channels and communities that people will talk to. They, they talk to one another and they'll bring you down, like they'll bring down your company. I've seen it ruin um, total reviews and I've also seen it like mess with people and recruiters, so... It's, not, it's yeah. not the right vibe that you want for your business. Yeah, I totally agree with that. What do you think the hardest part of adapting to corporate TA life was, you know, coming from an agency background? Oh, man. Um, I think the biggest, this is, I'll, I'll use more of like the practical in like button chair example. Um, because when I went fully corporate was back when I was at TomTom. And uh, the biggest shock to me was how hiring leaders, depending on where where you were, but how hiring leaders don't really think about intakes, if that makes sense. Intakes or everyone calls them like rec calls or everyone has like a whole bunch of different ways of calling them, right? Or kickoff meetings. It's kind of, you, you actually get to see the other side of the coin when you're sitting there. I mean, on the agency side where sometimes like you just get a job description and your job is fill this job description and you're trying to align that and it happens also in the uh, corporate world. Hey, I got a job description. Go. Well, wait, stop. That doesn't make any sense. I don't know anything about this role. You just gave me four lines and a piece of paper. And I don't know what the, I don't, 
I don't know the culture of your team. I don't know technical questions to ask this. You might, you might be looking for a, a software engineer, but what's the, what are they working on on the uh, client side? What are they working on the server side? You have no idea, right? You'll just see some scribbles on the bottom. Yeah. And, and even then you can't even have these. You, it's so, it's just that, I think that for me, like the button chair, that was the biggest thing. Yeah. Did you find it more process driven? Because I think when you're successful on the agency side, you, you really can shoot from the hip and make it up as you go along. And, you know, nobody's going to bother you if you're hitting your quota or if you're hitting your target. But I think I've never worked on the corporate side, but it strikes me that it must be much more process driven. And you've always got to, you know, cross your T's and dot your I's. You know, believe it or not, there's a lot of, a lot of companies, at least when I've started, there wasn't a lot of process. And that's why they bring someone in like myself because I'm a huge driver of change. I like to call myself a change agent and you create a process that makes sense. And I think the biggest thing is, yes, there is a lot of process that needs to run through it. But I think also on the corporate side, I think this role is very thankless, right? I think, especially on corporate end, you can hire 30 people in a month, right? Or you can hire 30 people throughout the year. And it's very quick. Like businesses are really quick to forget, oh yeah, you know, they didn't hire those 30 people. It's a part of their job it's their job. That's what should be paid for. It's like, no, you should be thinking about all the things that took it into account to get those 30 people in the door. Right. And it's just, it's just so different. Um, I, I will say, I think sometimes internal side is a little bit easier because depending on which company you are, you have a very different EVP. It could be a very well-known company like, uh, like your Chewies or your GitHubs and even Doorloop where people come, like you'll have better pools of talent that come directly to you as opposed to the agency side you're going out and you're building your book of candidates, right? So I think that's also just a real big thing. But even then, you still need to have the right process to funnel it down to get the right person for the teams, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. What, what's the biggest challenge that you've ever faced as a TA leader? And you know what were the keys to navigating that challenge? Okay, so I would definitely say the, the biggest challenge that I've ever received was... Um, it was during the shift when we went from uh, to the COVID, I'll call it like the COVID era. Uh, I got, you know, COVID started happening and sales started skyrocketing. And I was, I got dumped one day, hey, we need to hire 300 people a week, right? And I was doing high volume recruiting. And that task in and of itself was insane. It was a lot of growth for myself. It was a lot of growth for the people on my team and for the for my team, if you, if, for my former teams, if you remember that time, um, I, I know I said it once, but I'll say it again. You guys are just absolute rock stars. And the way we overcome it was, A, we had a really good, um, one, we had an amazing EVP, right? Two, we already had a great uh, brand presence. We had to look at different methodologies of how do you drive A, I call it organic traffic into funnel, right? These are just normal people applying, kind of going through. And then B, how do you drive inorganic into funnel? And how do these two areas really collide and generate, um, I'll call it like an engaged and qualified hire. So essentially what we ended up doing is deploying these two tactics. So we had a sourcing team and you also had like your um, organic side where we're just going through the apps. Uh, and essentially what we ended up doing is we built, a, 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 I call it a QP. So it's a qualified pooling strategy. And we built two qualified pools. So the first qualified pool was people would go into the top of funnel or tofu. They go right into the top, make their way in, and they're immediately hit with all these engagements, whether it be via text, email, 
Uh, they're getting the phone call from the recruiter. They're having an interview with the recruiter, right? They're taking a technical assessment, depending on which role it was. The candidates come in, we build a QP, which is post that recruiter interview, and then that QP will grow in time, right? So you're breaking the funnel up into two areas. So then your first qualified pool is all this, I call it qualified, ready, and engaged talent, right? Then from there, you send them into rather A, a hiring manager interview, right? After that's all said and done, you have the final group or your final QP, which is this is your talent that you're going to hire. And they go into what I, I mentioned it earlier. It's called hypercare, which is where I get all my coordinators involved, right? So the coordinators are then calling, engaging, texting, following up every other day uh, until that person starts button chair, right? So you have these two major QPs and they're just rolling, rolling. And what ended up happening is that we we built a strategy that allowed us to hit our short-term objectives, so the short-term goals in hiring, and then the long-term goals. Like, hey, we actually got like four, five, six weeks out. And just by deploying this method, in the beginning, it was slow to start, but I would say about three, four weeks in, we got ahead of our staffing goals and we were able to achieve. And even today, though I don't have these massive staffing goals anymore of this year, uh, it's just something that you have to always think about. And um, yeah, it's just a really great strategy. If you haven't thought about it or having yeah. those mass hiring days, to look into it. Yeah. Um, when you first started in corporate TA, did you find that internal recruiters were less likely to go outbound and more reliant upon inbound, especially coming from agency? I, I think that's changed a lot over the last five or six years. And I think there's some incredible internal recruiters who are 100% outbound yeah. and 100% headhunters. But did you find when you first started in corporate TA that that wasn't the case? Yeah, I, I, I do believe, I think you hit the nail on the head there, right? Um, I, I believe that when I first started in corporate, I think that was a time where everyone really relied on inbound. And I think corporate started to realize, oh my goodness, there's a sourcing function and sourcing now makes sense, right? Because it's more of a long-term putt as opposed to the short-term gain. Um, and I still believe to this day, and maybe you've heard this one, but you know, there's some there are, they, you got you got recruiters that are snipers and they'll snipe out like four or five people submit bang job's done right and then you have the people that are more holistic and they'll talk to all these people bring them into like a little batch and then you know they still generate a hire so that's the that's kind of the, the two sides i see on the corporate side now but i do believe like when i first started it was like let's post and pray yeah. the spaghetti model the good old spaghetti model of recruiting that takes you so far yeah. And then along came LinkedIn Recruiter and sort of changed everything because it, it made everybody think, well, I can be a headhunter now because all I have to do is jump onto LinkedIn Recruiter and start sending out all these emails. But in my experience and my team's experience, LinkedIn Recruiter and, and the effectiveness of LinkedIn Recruiter has been diluted because, you know, we all have so much spam in our inbox these days. Yeah. Do, you, do you think that LinkedIn Recruiter has been a little bit diluted in its effectiveness? That is such a Interesting question. Wow. I think that the product itself has evolved in time. I mean, I, I don't know if you saw the newest update, but now they have like an AI uh, integration. They'll actually read the, let's say like the profile you're yeah. looking at and it'll build a message for you, um, which yeah. I think is really cool. It's a great thing. Uh, but you know, you're you're 110% correct. Uh, and I think the it goes back to like what I said before. This is why in times where inboxes are completely filled, right? People are less engaged than they've ever been, right? 
how do you as a recruiter separate yourself? I call it the bucket theory. So all these recruiters and all these messages go in a bucket. How do you separate yourself out of that bucket? And that kind of takes you back to the old school type of recruiting. Hey, you have a phone, you can pick it up, you can give them a call, right? You can have these conversations and you can see if there's a match and you can also still rely on, um, you know, LinkedIn recruiter, but there's also other tools that you can use to automate these types of sourcings. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, the problem with that is that great recruiters have been dif- differentiating themselves for years by personalizing yeah. their outreach and taking the time to really send relevant, powerful, impactful messages to their prospect candidates. The fact that LinkedIn recruiter can now do this for you basically levels the playing field again and takes that sort of skill out of play if, if LinkedIn can do it for you. And so now candidates are going to get incredibly used to getting personal messages and they're going to start ignoring those as well. Yeah, but then that's why, but that's why then it becomes so important for us to remember as recruiters, your salespeople, right? You got to sell, one, you're a salesperson. And then two, also, I think there's a new form of sales, right? Which is interesting because it's kind of, it's kind of like the form of sales I've always been taught to do as a recruiter, which is build relationships. I don't know if you've seen, there's a, there's an interesting article out there. It escapes my mind, but I read it a couple of days ago. Old sales, call, 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 dial, 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 quick transaction. People don't want that. They want to have like that grocery line, uh, maybe your best grocery out there. Get in line, talk to the person behind the counter, get to know them. You come back the next week, you keep doing the whole entire process, right? That's where I think we're going to, or at least in the, in, in the short term. Long term, I, I don't know. It's going to be very interesting to see how AI kind of uh, enhances our jobs. But I mean, it's going to be a fun ride. Yeah. I, I think people have got really good at saying no when they're being sold to these days. I don't think anybody yeah. wants to be sold to anymore because, you know, we want to we want to do it the other way. We want to be buyers. We don't want to be sold to. We want to do our research. We want to, you know, read all the reviews and then we want to make our buying decisions. So I think great salespeople are beginning to understand that and they they're working a system now where they they basically attempt to enter the consciousness of their future prospects and sort of start driving value in there through content and conversations uh, before they start getting transactional and sort of building a relationship and, a, and an awareness that transactional recruiters and salespeople don't bother to do. They're just out there like asking closed questions. Yes or no? Are you interested? Are you available? And then on to the next. But I think great recruiters are doing the job a little bit differently these days. You know, they're nurturing relationships. That's right. They're starting relationships a little bit softer, rather like dating. You know, there's no point going on a date and telling your date everything about you in, in the very first sentence and then saying, do you want to get married? It's just too early for that. So I, I think good salespeople and good recruiters have understood that. And you see a lot of them are producing lots of really valuable content on LinkedIn mm-hmm. and building relationships that way. Um, and then taking those prospects offline and having, you know, the harder conversations. Do you agree with that? I do 110%, right? And, and, and what I, I always like to say this too, I, and I know there's a lot of recruiters out there. You probably have some of like some of your placements are like your best friends. I know for me, one was in my wedding. Um, you know, you grow, you grow these great relationships and even today to this point in time, it, it just doesn't go away. Um, Absolutely. That's so true. I say this all the time to my team. I am still friends and I'm going to age myself here with people that I placed 25 years ago. I am still in touch with them. You know, I placed somebody 25 years ago, um, a chap from Scotland who I brought over to the USA 
and I, I placed him on a contract at um, Anderson Consulting. And then a couple of years ago, we've kept in touch all this time. I was his referee when he became a partner at Deloitte. And it, oh, it's wow. incredible how strong these relationships become if, if you nurtured them over time. And um, I was talking to a, a friend of mine who's a recruiter yesterday who was telling me about this one person that he's now placed six times over the last 20 years and because he knows how good he is. So he's willing to stick his neck out for that person and say, look, I've placed this guy five times before. That might sound a little jumpy, but I don't think it is these days. But yeah, I mean, I think you, you have to build really strong bonds with people these days for them to trust you and for you to then become a steward of their career, right? Yeah, you're 100 percent right, and you know, and I, and I want to. I also want to say it this way: like uh, you said, something like uh, that six times is maybe that's jumpy. It's totally not jumpy. So if you're a hiring miss leader listening to this, uh, you know, I'm pretty sure you've probably had your friends, and you go to a, you go to a new company, and you kind of bring them along with you, right? They're the best talent that you know. They know your playbook, right? They know the playbook, so you bring them with you. It's the same thing when you recruit. You build these relationships with people. You like them, and what do you want to do? Hey, if they know my playbook and they know how they can work with me, ramp up time is quicker. Everything go, runs smoother. Um, it's kind of like that uh, quarterback to wide receiver connection. They don't have to really speak to one another. They just know. I know when to throw the ball. He knows when to catch it and just run. Brilliant. What's your secret weapon for building like a really strong, cohesive TA team? I mean, do you have any like unique rituals or programs or or leadership philosophies that that really help you build that you know incredible bond in your team and a really effective team. Yeah, I think for me, one of the I, I'll say it this way: I'm a big proponent of um, uh, I, I and you probably heard this one before, but there's something known as like servant leadership. Um, I'm a big proponent of servant leadership. Um, I'm also a big fan of uh, creating. How do I describe accountability? Yeah, accountability as well. So there's accountability inside of it where, you know, you, but I also believe in this, we're we're sprinting, right? I want you to break things, but break things fast. And when you break it, come tell us about it, right? I'm going to, I'm going to make sure that everyone in the whole entire team knows, Hey, something was broken. I think this is a solution. Let's go. Great. You did it. You're amazing. I'm also a guy like one of my rituals, you said rituals, right? Yes. So I'm pretty sure you, you probably have like a a stand up or something like that, right? Or there's a weekly, monthly, whatever. Yeah, we do is, a daily right? stand up. Yeah, so you have a daily stand up. So one of the things I do the exact same thing, but instead of me being the one in control of the stand up, my team's in control of it. Nice. They run it. I don't. Right? They can bring up, and I want. I like that. And what's great? What, what's great about that is that they have the opportunity. They're one. They're accountable for the agenda for whatever we're going to talk about. Right. Two. They're going to be. They're going to be actually driving the accountability into the team. Hey, wait a second, you. Hey, John, you you said that you had a onsite two days from now. Now the guy backed out. Can you tell us what happened? What's going on? Help us understand. Um, ben, can you help John? Mary, can you help John? What can we do? like? It it allows that free flowing discussion. Um, and what's also cool about that, it becomes like a breeding ground, right? You get to see who the leaders are, who are the people who step up. And you also get to see the people who are just fantastic ICs who love to be ICs, right? Um, so that's like one ritual. And then the other thing I'm a big fan of is uh, Michael Jordan said this quote, but um, it, going on the accountability side, uh, men lie, women lie, numbers don't, right? 
So I produce, uh, I call I produce like a, a weekly uh, business review um, and it turns into a monthly business review and I push it out to the team. It almost becomes like a, um, uh, like a weekly uh, memo and they have the opportunity to go in there and read. And not only are they learning about what their team members are doing, they're seeing how they're doing, but they're also learning about the things that I'm dealing with too, as a leader, right? It's a way of effectively communicating, look, we, we're behind on, um, uh, we're behind on product staffing. Like, what are we going to do to kind of get this up? I was in a meeting with X, Y, and Z. Now we're, now this is under, like, this is under the purview of what we need to hit, right? Or, hey team, you know, we're not hiring for the next month or so. Now it's time to start focusing on practices. I made a commitment to the business that we're going to streamline the funnel by 10% and this is what I think it's going to be. Make your comments in the doc and let's go, right? And I give them that ability and then what you start to see is that uh, you get to learn what people's strengths are, what their weaknesses are. And I've seen so many great uh, people on my teams before in the past that end up becoming operators or they become project managers or they go into full-blown HR, they become an HRIS analyst, and a lot of them see that that's their stopping. Yeah, right? yeah. They get that start. Yeah, I mean, I, I also believe in servant leadership, but at the same time, I believe in keeping a little bit of tension in the rope because I want to challenge people to become the best version of themselves. And if I don't challenge them to become the best version of themselves, then quite often they just seek the path of least resistance without even realizing it. And so I help people become better but sometimes they don't like it because they don't like the, the, the metrics and the targets that I set for them. But I'm challenging them because those are winning metrics and that's how you win. And, you know, I, I also believe in managing the process more than the person. So if you stick to a really good, solid process with really meaningful metrics, it helps people opt in and to do their best work as opposed to just leaving them to decide, you know, how much of each activity they do. You know, I set some firm boundaries and, and help people, you know, swing for the fences um, and never give up. So I think servant leadership, you know, has definitely it's it's a very important part of management. But I think it has to be coupled with a firm hand as well. And and I, I don't believe in telling people off, by the way, I believe in taking somebody into a room and saying, you know, how can I help you get better? You know, what what's preventing you, do you think, from meeting your targets right now? And, you know, let's figure out a plan to help you, you know, cross that bridge and get better at the job. Um, I, I don't believe in telling people off. This episode of Recruiting Trailblazers is brought to you by Vertical Move. Picture this, a powerhouse team of 300 sourcing experts spanning the globe and working 24-7. A crack team of recruiters first performing AI-driven online skills assessments to guarantee identity and integrity, and second, conducting real-time paired programming evaluations with every software engineering candidate prior to submission to properly evaluate technical capability and client fit. This isn't just recruitment. It's a curated journey to find the perfect match. Vertical move. Talent you can trust or nothing at all. I... I I'm a big fan. I, I use this analogy all the time. Like whenever I have a new recruiter and they start on my team, I always say the same thing. Hey, look, do you go to the gym? Yes or no? Yeah. A lot of times people say yes. Okay, great. Do you, when you go to the gym, do you start lifting 500 pounds? Absolutely not, right? I start you off small. We'll start you off with the five pounders. We'll move up to 10. If there's ever a point where I'm not putting on weight down on you and you're not growing that muscle over time, Hey, then you know what? Like it is my job also as a leader to go f help you find the next thing. 
because I'm doing you a disservice too. Uh, and that's, and that's kind of the area. And I do believe in, um, you know, uh, having that accountability drive through the process because usually, you know, you can't, because sometimes you think that the person's failing and it's not really the person is failing. It's your process that's failing. And it's, it, or it could just be like a bad wreck, or maybe it's a hiring leader that needs to have a discussion with. And that's my job. Hey, like your profile doesn't exist. You're looking for a purple squirrel. They don't exist either. But what can we do to make it easier for you and the whole team? Yeah, that's interesting because I, I also think that the gym analogy works from a planning perspective as well, because you yep. don't go to the gym and just do one bench press and then one arm curl. You go there with a plan. <laughs> you do three sets of 10 and then you move on to another three sets of 10. And that's the way I encourage people to work in agency recruitment is to just gang all the, the similar tasks together and execute them in a period of time, you know, 60, 90 minutes, go hard and then take a break and then start again on something else. And don't do too much context switching because then you're having to sort of like, you know, get the car started from scratch again. And that's always quite difficult to, you, you, it's a game of momentum. Once you get into the rhythm of doing this job and you're doing outreach, 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 and then you're doing interviews, interviews, you, you know, if you, if you put all these tasks together and, and do them in a sprint, you become much more effective. And it's when you do this job well at scale that you become incredibly successful. Like lightning in a bottle. Yeah, absolutely right. So my final question today is AI and chat GPT. Obviously, we have to talk about them briefly. I think, um, you know, people are a little bit afraid of AI and chat GPT and, and what they represent to the recruiter. What do you think about AI and chat GPT in terms of where they fit into the tech stack of a recruiter? And do you think they represent a threat to the recruiter role at all? Um, so I, I just like how I answer all my other questions, I always like to use an analogy. Uh, but there was a, there's like a newspaper article from a really long period of time ago where it was, a, I believe it was a politician. I'm not sure if it was a politician, but I'm butchering that part. But basically it just says like, it's an ad. The horse-drawn carriage is here to say, do not drive cars right? Well, hey, you know, that didn't, that didn't work out. Everyone started driving cars, right? Yeah. I mean, you embrace yeah. that change, right? Now, what I think is going to happen, and this is my very big, bold prediction. Uh, and it, it kind of, yes, it's very big, very, very big, very big, bold prediction. And I think in the future, we're going to have something known as a recruiting architect. I know a lot of people have probably thrown this term out there, but what exactly does that mean? It's going to be like this hybrid approach of the recruiting tech stack where you're going to have AI, and quite frankly, there's a lot of different AI tools that are like sitting on the front facing of like a website, like something like a paradox or whatnot, right? Or you integrate ChatGPT into your career site and someone chats a question, I want to learn more about the engineering rule, tell me X, Y, and Z, boom, spits out an answer, right? And it just, you know, it has a picture of someone's face and you just make up a name, you call it Gary or something, who knows, right? You're going to have that, then people are going to go into funnel and it's going to help automate your entire process. I mean, think about it today, look at the recruiter tech stack. People are using things like, uh, is it Calendly or Calendarly? Calendly, I, yeah. I always, I always butcher the name. <laughs> I, I know I always butcher the name, but I use it as an example. Do you remember when you had to like call eight, 15, 30 different people and then you're like, oh, okay, now the now it's now it's time I can book the interview. Oh, wait, no, I got to move it to the next day. No, you embrace it is what I'm trying to get at. You're going to see it through all different areas of the funnel. Not only are you going to see it through all areas of the funnel, I think what we're going to see is that it's going to make the lives of recruiters so so much easier that businesses are not going to need, realistically, businesses are not going to need large scale teams of 150 recruiters, or maybe they will, depending on the scale and size and all that. 
But I still, I'm a firm believer that you're going to have recruiting architects that are going to build these tech stacks, deploy them, and then you're still going to have a need for a recruiter to do the human side of it, right? Um, which is, hey, let's jump on a call. Let's have a, let's validate each other, right? Because, and I think the other thing I always like to tell people about this of recruiting an AI, I've seen AI or I've seen assessments and all these other things go terrible. I mean, just haywire. And and you need someone to fix that, right? I think the recruiting coordinator position is going to totally change, totally evolve. Probably, maybe that will become obsolete. I know people think sourcing may become obsolete. It's kind of like a big thing. I disagree on the sourcing side. I think you're still going to need someone back there because just like any form of automation, if the top end is broken, the bottom is going to be destroyed. All right. So you're going to need someone to review that and you're still going to need someone to talk to people. I just think our lives are going to become so much easier. Um, and if you think about it, look back, look back at yourself. You're already doing it today. No, I totally just, agree with what you said. I, I don't think it's going to put any recruiters out of work yet. I, feel, I think it's got a long way to go. Um, yep. I think from a sort of a content generation perspective, chat GPT, you can see it coming a mile away. Um, I think sourcing ultimately, when, when AI is that intelligent, uh, I still think there's a ton of nuance to be a great sourcer. Okay. It's not just buzzword recruiting anymore. There's a lot of different ways that you can find candidates that are hiding in plain sight and I don't know whether AI has the intelligence to do that yet, but great recruiters and great sources do all sorts of funky stuff these days to find candidates that nobody else can find just using the regular filters on LinkedIn recruiter. So um, exactly. I, I also agree with what you said, and I've said this before many times on the podcast, um, we're not about to automate relationship development. You know, the human side of recruiting is definitely here to stay. And that's the differentiator because the candidate experience is really what, what wins the day. When somebody has a great candidate experience, you get an opportunity to close them. Without that, if you try and automate that whole process, it's going to be very, very hard to close the best candidates, I think. Yeah, preach, brother. Like you, 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 you hit the nail on the head, right? And I think that it's going to come, take it, embrace it, learn from it, yeah. implement it. It's, it's and, going to be those people who embrace it that actually become the most successful recruiters. I think it's your job right now as a recruiter, whether you're an agency or internal recruiter, to make sure you understand the power of AI and ChatGPT and how you can harness it and how you can teach other recruiters the same thing because that's going to make you incredibly valuable in an era where, you know, a ton of internal recruiters have actually lost their jobs. And so I, I've mm -hmm. been recommending to internal recruiters, you know, get really good, become an expert, an SME in AI and ChatGPT and how it can integrate with the current sort of tech stack of most recruiters and you'll be a welcome member of the team because not not a lot of people have completely sussed it out yet, you know, including myself. I, mean, I, I use it every day, but I mean, I imagine there are so many other use cases that I haven't come across yet where it could help me as a recruiter and help, you know, the industry as a whole um, to grow. So I think we'll have to wait and see what happens next with chat, GPT and AI. You're 110% right. And I think it would be very beneficial that um, I think that the partnership, right, between agency and internal recruitment through this period, it's going to be very interesting to watch. I, I mean, I would love your take on that. Um, but I think it's going to be very interesting, right? Because like you can use AI to deploy, to, to be deployed, I'll use an example of like sourcing and it, you'll come, everyone's going to come across the exact same talent, right? Yep. But what are other tech tools that could be similar, right? To the, like the server side, right? You have like a Go or you have like, or what's similar to Go, maybe MongoDB, right? 
And I don't think we're going to be, I don't think those features are going to be there, but it's going to be very interesting to see how agency or RPO and um, internal recruitment are going to have to merge and work together to kind of get to these goals. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's in its infancy and it's going to be very interesting to see how all of this tech develops and and impacts the roles of recruiters and recruiting leaders and, and organizations as a whole. So watch this space and we'll see what happens next. So I'd like to thank you very much, Ben Otero, for coming along to Recruiting Trailblazers today. This has been a lot of fun and um, I'm sure we'll get a chance to do this again because there's a load more questions that I'd love to ask you. But cheers for coming on today. It's the holiday season. So Merry Christmas. Have, have a wonderful holiday and we'll speak again soon. Thank you very much. Merry Christmas. Okay. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. 